I'm Brad Spencer and welcome to The Faith Connection. We've been teaching on the, the message, Who in Hell? And we said that Jesus taught a parable over in Luke's Gospel chapter 16 about a rich man and he didn't die and uh, end up in Abraham's bosom because he was rich, because of his life, his rejection of God. And he looks over and he sees Father Abraham. And there was a poor man that he knew. His name was Lazarus. And he saw Lazarus there in Abraham's bosom. And he said, send over Lazarus. And have him put his finger in cool water and touch my tongue. For I'm in agony in these flames. And Abraham responded and said, look, we can't do that. There's been a great golfer chasm fixed. Neither side can cross over to the other. And he said, well, send Lazarus back from the dead and warn my five brothers about this place. This is a place they don't want to be. He said, we can't do that. They have Moses and they have the prophets. They can hear them. He said, no, but if someone came back from the dead. But Abraham said that wouldn't be sufficient. So we ask ourselves the question, who in hell would have thought that the place was real? Who in hell would have thought that you'd just want a drop of water on your tongue. Who in hell would have thought that once there, you couldn't get out? And who in hell would have thought that you could go there and become an evangelist and want to be able to tell others about Jesus Christ? You know, I think a lot of times we just don't really think about the future. Listen, all of us are going to die. I look at some of these crooked politicians today, ungodly leaders, those that run corporations, and, and you, just, you just see the way they mock the things of God. And, and, and you think, surely they, they realize that one day they're going to meet their maker. And we all are some as believers and some as unbelievers. Now, the unbelievers, man, they're going to face the great white throne judgment, but we're going right in to the very presence of God, absent from the body, present with the Lord, because we are spiritually alive. See, those of us that are born again, we're already living eternally. We have eternal life. We're never going to die spiritually again. We did once. But I tell you what, we're never going to die spiritually again. And so, you know, obviously people aren't thinking about the next life. Because it's not, it's not like we're some animal and, we're, you know, we die and that's it. And some people believe that and, and uh, some are agnostic. They don't know whether they believe or not. Some are atheists. They definitely don't believe in God. But I tell you what, there's going to come a time that people, they cross a point of no return. They step over that line. I mean, they've run out of time. I've seen people, you know, I've given altar calls many times down through the years. They're standing there. They're grabbing hold of the back of the pew in front of them. Their knuckles are just white. You know, they're just holding off of accepting Jesus Christ. And what if they died the next day in a car accident? They have no protection. We're protected by the power of God through faith, those of us that walk by faith. But, you know, most Christians aren't. Bad things happen to good people. 
Most Christians don't walk by faith. They Rather, they walk by sight. And then you got the unbelievers. So we need to be thinking about the next life now. And I'll talk more about that at the end because I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer and change your whole life. All right. So hell, um, that's not a place where anybody wants to end up. You know, we talked about Isaiah 14. Hell from beneath, verse 9, is excited over you to meet you when you come. It arouses for you the spirits of the dead, all the leaders of the earth. It raises all the kings of the nations from their thrones. They will all respond and say to you, even you have been made weak as we. Now, all of these ungodly leaders, they're going to be looking at Lucifer, the fallen one, and they're going to say, you know, you've been made just as weak as we are. You have become like us. Your pomp and the music of your harps have been brought down to hell. And, and we know that uh, Lucifer was made as a musical instrument and no doubt led or had a great part in the heavenly worship. That's why music is so important to him today. And he uses it as weapons against people, especially our young people, get them all called up and open up portals and, and doors through music. Maggots are spread out as your bed beneath you and worms as your covering. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, sun of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth. You who have weakened the nations, but you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit in the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Now, stop and think about it. this is when Lucifer rebelled against God. God had made him so beautiful that he got caught up into pride and arrogance because of his beauty. And now he wanted what God had. He's going to kick God off the throne after he ascends above the heights of the clouds into the recesses of the north. He's going to become like the Most High. Well, it didn't work out the way he planned. He was defeated. Even though one-third of the angels followed him in his coup attempt, it failed, and they were all cast out of heaven, God's throne, God's city, the New Jerusalem. And they haven't been allowed back since then. And Satan, the Bible said, he was cast back down to the earth. And, and see, if you really want to get back at somebody, go after what they love. And you see, God wanted a family and he created Adam and Eve. And uh, that was God's family. God loved Adam and Eve. And so that's who Lucifer went after. And Adam committed treason before God and they died spiritually. Oh, but aren't you glad? Before the foundations of the world, God had a plan, a master plan for redeeming mankind. All right. Those who see you will gaze at you and they will ponder over you saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble? Who shook kingdoms? who made the world like a wilderness and overthrew its cities, who did not allow his prisoners to go home. I mean, think about it. Who would have thought that this 
entity, Lucifer, this fallen archangel, was no more than what he really is. See, the problem is I'm convinced that people give him power because they don't recognize they have power and authority. And they give him power by opening up. They let him speak to them. They, they let him do things in the house. You know, there are people that they'll have demons in the house and say, well, they're not hurting me. And we'll just let them. St- no, listen, you, you got to say, you got to go in the name of Jesus. We have authority over the kingdom of darkness. We have nothing to fear where the enemy is concerned. Jesus defeated him, whipped him, uh, stripped him, defeated him, made a show of him openly in front of all the cohorts of hell. And he rose up as champion of the universe, conqueror of the universe. So we have been given back authority in his name And we don't have to be influenced and run over by the kingdom of darkness. Those days need to end. All right, let's go in a different direction. I want to go to Matthew's gospel chapter 23 and look at verse 15. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel about on sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourself. Now, who in hell would have thought that their introduction to hell was first birthed by their religious ways, trusting a dead denomination, a church membership, embracing doctrines of demons rather than the truth of God's word? Who would have thought that? You see, there's some people, they're, they're not atheists. You know, they, well, I want to be a good person and go to church. Well, I wish all churches were created equally. And you know, they go, well, that looks like a nice little church. See, there are a lot of wrong reasons to join a church by how the building looks, you know, by what kind of programs they have or what programs they don't have. You know, the most important things about choosing the church Number one, you ought to let the Spirit of God lead you. But number two, you need to look and see if the truth of God's Word is being taught. What are they teaching? Because there's some churches out there, they're just dead. They're dead as a doornail. They've got no life in them at all. All you get is some little old cute sermonette, you know, in in the message. And maybe they'll do a, a joke and a poem. But there's no life to it whatsoever. Some of them have doctrines of demons. The Bible talks about that. Yet doctrines of demons that have gotten interwoven into the beliefs of the church. And and one of the worst is, you know, being water baptized as an infant. And being taught that that's how you got saved. That is a doctrine of demons. Because really... Satan's number one goal is is not the honky-tonk. It's not the crack house. It's not the meth house. It's not the house of ill repute where Satan ultimately wants to gain entrance and control in, in a church is the pulpit. If he can control that which is taught or not taught, he can control the people. So there, I mean, that doctrine of we're going to water baptize you Listen, if, if, if sprinkling water on a baby's head 
could bring salvation. Jesus died in vain. That doesn't bring salvation. That, that's an outward expression based on an inward experience, but an infant can't have that experience because Romans 10 tells us, Romans 10, 9 and 10, that we are saved by believing on the Lord Jesus in our heart and confessing him with our mouth. Well, now listen, an infant can't confess. They hadn't even learned to talk yet. They haven't developed enough, matured enough to where they can confess Jesus as their Savior. But they're taught that, yeah, we're going to sprinkle you, water baptize you, and uh, that's where you gain salvation. And then there's going to reach a time uh, that we're going to teach you what happened to you. And that's called confirmation. Yep, when they get about 10, 11, 12 years old, put them in the class and say, here's what happened when you got water baptized and saved as an infant. Now, the Bible says we are saved through baptism, but which baptism is it talking about? You had the baptism of John. That was the baptism of repentance. Then you've got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, like began on the day of Pentecost when, when the Holy Spirit fell on them and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That was a baptism. And then you have literally water baptism but that's an outward expression based on an inward experience because in that, what we're doing is we're lowering the person and the word ba baptism is from the Greek word baptizo and it means to immerse, not sprinkle. You cannot be immersed into a tablespoon of water. But the person is, is placed under the water symbolizing that they identify with the death and the burial of Jesus Christ. But have you noticed, we don't leave them there. We bring them back up. And that's symbolic of living now in the power of His resurrection. So it's something that you can put your faith in, in overcoming the flesh. But you don't get saved through water baptism. But now there is a baptism into Christ Jesus. And that is an immersion into the body of Christ, which is another way of saying the new birth. So being born again or the new birth is a baptism. But that's where, see, that's where they get all messed up with their doctrine of demons there. Well, we're saved through baptism. Well, yeah, immersion into Christ Jesus, but not the sprinkling of water. And, and so... Who would have thought that you could have a good intention to go find a church somewhere in a tent and then get caught up in a bunch of nonsense? Listen, the church, the little dead church that I grew up in, not one time did I ever hear an invitation to be born again. Not one time. The whole time growing up in that church, not one person did I ever see get saved. I didn't know anything about the new birth or being born again. They never taught it. They didn't teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That wasn't for today. They, they didn't believe in or demonstrate the nine gifts of the Spirit. I, I didn't know they existed in the Bible. They never brought them up. So many things they didn't bring up. They didn't teach you how to walk by faith which is the most important thing that you can do. 
Because the Bible said whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So certainly we'd want to learn to walk by faith. Faith is not just a belief in Jesus Christ. Faith is a lifestyle. Faith is a walk. Faith is a journey. It's calling those things that be not as though they were. It's, again, a lifestyle. So, I mean, who would have thought that you'd want to maybe go in the right direction, but get the wrong church? You, you can go to the wrong church and then totally mess your life up and you never get saved. You never get born again. That's possible. I grew up in church. It wasn't until I got into a full gospel businessmen's uh, association meeting. They met once a month and I was invited to go that I finally heard the teaching of the gospel. The goodness of God leads us to repentance. And I tell you what I heard about God just made me run into his arms. And then there was an altar call given. And I, I, I'd never heard an altar call before. They said, anybody, if you died right now, you'd be lost and go to hell. Well, I raised my hand. I thought they were taking a survey. I didn't know anything about an altar call. And I want to present you with the opportunity right now to do what I did way back in April the 22nd, 1977, by simply believing in my heart and confessing with my mouth. And see, if you'll do that, you'll experience the new birth just like I did. You won't be cast into the lake of fire because your name's been blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. Your name will be in there. I promise you that. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to simply say, say this after me. Heavenly Father, I repent of my rejecting Jesus. I repent for breaking the Ten Commandments. And today, I come to you to be saved. I believe on Jesus Christ in my heart. I believe that he died for me. I confess Jesus with my mouth. And I say, come and save me. Cause me to be born again. Breathe life into me. And forevermore, I will serve you. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Amen. Listen, you just prayed that prayer. Something wonderful has just happened to you. You've passed from death into life. You're now born again. Your name is placed back into the Lamb's book of life. And you'll escape that great white throne judgment. But see, what's, what's important now is that you begin to grow and mature and find out what happened to you. You need to begin to learn new creation realities. Find out you're the righteousness of God. You've been sanctified. You're now called a saint. You've been cleansed, washed, made holy by the blood of Jesus. And you need to be in a good church. You can watch the Faith Connection, but if you're anywhere near Hickory, come to His Image Ministries. And uh, go on to hisimageministries.faith and let us know that you prayed this prayer. We simply want to rejoice with you and we want to invite you Come and be a part of us. You'll be glad you did. Well, I see your time has slipped away from us once again. Remember, just like always, we're here to 
help you make your faith connection today. Mm-hmm.